Hey everybody, we're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. We're going to start off with college football, and no, that's not Deion Sanders sitting next to me, but the hype train continues to roll as they're 3-0, and and they go to Oregon this week. We're sitting here with our conductor, Vice President <laughs> of Racing Sports, Jason McCormick. Jay, it's going to be a great college slate this week. We know last week was like, and eh, there wasn't that many marquee games. But this week, there's about six or seven games that feature teams that are ranked in the top 20. One of those games that we're going to highlight is Colorado 3-0 against Oregon 3-0. Numbers a little bit different because no Travis Hunter. What do you think about that game? Well, I'll go back to last week, the Colorado State-Colorado game, a game that wouldn't have been on our radar at all um, until primetime got to Colorado. And it ended up being an absolutely fantastic game. Right. Colorado State uh, played very, very well. Unfortunately, we saw Hunter get hurt. Uh, Colorado able to come back. Sanders had that big 98-yard drive to tie things up. But just an outstanding game of college football. And now the tough trip, tough trip up to Oregon. Um, we opened the game 19 and a half. It was bet up to 20 and a half. It was bet up to 21. We went as high as 21 and a half, where we finally took some money back on Colorado. Oregon has looked absolutely fantastic at home, putting up over 80 points on Portland State, um, throttling Hawaii last week. But they did play a tight ball game at Texas Tech. So Colorado fans, still a little hope there. And obviously what Colorado can do on the offensive side of the football, they're going to have to go score for score to try and stay with well, this Oregon team. You said it, though. I mean, Portland State and Hawaii aren't exactly Sanders in that offense that Colorado's going to bring in. Um, it was a great game. It was so much fun. I mean, we have for three straight weeks now been rooting against the Buffaloes. This might be the first time um, this season that we're rooting for the Buffaloes with that big number. Well, and again, this team, we saw them in week one as a 21-point underdog go to TCU and win. So they like the us-versus-the-world mentality. I think Dion thrives off that us-versus-the-world mentality. So outside of the injury to Hunter, which we know from an offensive and a defensive standpoint hurts, I think this Colorado team thrives off this ability to be the underdog, and we'll see if they can go up to Oregon and shock the world again. Yeah, man, that's a lot of points. We have seen a lot of Oregon, or excuse me, Colorado money line play. I think you look at that money line price, very similar to what we saw in that first game against TCU, and a lot of backers betting in to win the game outright. Not the only game on the board, though. The college slate, we talked about it, the college slate is absolutely loaded this week. Go ahead and rattle off. Yep, here's, uh, here's some of the games that we're, we're really featuring this week, guys. Um, you've got an, an early 9 a.m. start. Florida State, number four, Florida State, two-and-a-half-point favorite against Clemson. Well, the big win over LSU to open. Um, they struggle at Boston College last week. Clemson with the big loss to open their season versus Duke. They've got things back under wraps. This is strange that we have the number four team in the country in Florida State traveling to Clemson, who's unranked, but Florida State's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the season for Clemson. Right. A loss here by Clemson would take them out of any type of running for a national championship or a playoff hold. So I think that's why you see that number to come down, let alone Florida State did not look too good in traveling up to Boston College. But Jordan Travis and Florida State, this is the game that they've had circled. And I think this might have been last week was a, a little look bit ahead. of a, yep. a look-ahead situation of knowing that they were going to Clemson. The big thing for me is this, this game is at 9 o'clock, which I think actually favors the Florida State Seminoles a little right. bit. If this had been a 5 o'clock game at Clemson and Death Valley, that, that atmosphere would have been absolutely crazy. Still going to be crazy there, but 9 o'clock I think favors Florida State a little bit. I think the game for me that really stands out is number 
number six Ohio State at number nine Notre Dame. Ohio State a field goal favorite in this game. Ticket counts really favored the Buckeyes here. It's a 4.30 start, so what a tough place to go. 4.30 South Bend, 4.30 our time, 6.30 there. But it's going to be a marquee game, I think, Irish against the Buckeyes. Yeah, and this is a game that normally Nor uh, Notre Dame hasn't been able to stay in with, with the high-powered Ohio State offense, throwing the but, ball but over Sam the Sam Hartman has changed that. Absolutely, and, and Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, five games of experience going up against Hartman, who's got – 50 games of college experience. It's really going to come down for me. Iowa State, a short favorite on the road, is can that Notre Dame linebacking core and secondary core find a way to uh, keep Marvin Harrison in check, be able to get to the quarterback and not allow Ohio State to throw the ball all over the place? Because I do think this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, despite right. the fact that these two teams go up and down the field. I can see some conservativeness here, and Notre Dame just needs to stop the big play. So a couple other games really that we're going to highlight is uh, number 22, UCLA travels to Utah. Utah, four, four and a half point favorite. It looks like no cam rising again. Uh, number 13, Alabama against number 15, Ole Miss. Alabama, less than a touchdown favorite here. You've got the kind of the coaching side notes with Saban and Kiffin. You've got Oregon State and Washington State and Penn State and Iowa. So there really is a good slate of college football this weekend. I, I, I love the Oregon State-Washington State matchup. We talk about uh, teams that are left in the Pac-12. Um, after this year, these are the only teams that are – this is the to win the Pac-12, essentially, because these are the two teams that are left. But a short road favorite at Washington State. Washington State has really adopted the, you know, uh, mentality of us against the world as well with the fact that the Pac-12 has essentially left them in the win with no conference to go to. They played absolutely fantastic. A big win over um, Wisconsin. Oregon State has played kind of two softer teams, so this is a, a big test for them traveling to Washington State. UCLA beat – uh, Utah last year, 42-32. This is a game that Utah is looking for revenge there. UCLA has played good. Um, and then the other one, uh, Penn State, Iowa. Again, Iowa and Penn State, you've got a, probably the lowest total on the board uh, going to college football right. outside of maybe uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, which also had, looks like it'll have some ugliness to it. Uh, but two teams that want to run the football, want to play physical defense. And, again, that's a late game um, that will be highlighting your schedule looking at Penn State. Um, and uh, I really you know, want to see that Alabama Ole Miss game, though. I mean, you know the coaching history between Kiffin and Saban, and the numbers actually come down. It was a touchdown, maybe seven and a half out there. It's kind of dipped below that right now. Uh, this Alabama going back to Jalen Monroe. Right, who, yep. You know, benched for a week after the loss. Um, two quarterbacks didn't didn't really perform. Now they're going back to Jalen Monroe. So he'll, again, have a chip right. on his shoulder wanting to look and put up some big points. Curious to see when this game actually kicks who we need in this game. But early play has clearly been on Ole Miss. So we touched on all these great college games. Uh, we're going to go in our next segment and get to the pro football week three. And we'll see if uh, Coach Prime's back with us or not for that. Yeah, segment. and look, again, Heisman Trophy. There's a lot of stuff still open in college football. <laughs> um, the Heisman Trophy race has been absolutely fantastic. Really Caleb good. Williams for UFC is our favorite. Um, but Washington quarterback uh, Penix has been playing absolutely fantastic. We talked about Jaden Travis. Shadur Sanders played great. Shadur Sanders, That's especially right. with Hunter now missing these games. All the, all the Colorado votes should go to Sanders. Uh, so, again, look at the Heisman Trophy. It continues to get updated every week if you're interested in betting on that. All right, guys. So we touched on college football. We'll be back on bookends highlighting week three of the NFL. Guess what? It's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It's time to bet your buns off. And when it comes to sports betting, you better bet with the STN Sports app. I'm talking football. All the fights. Men's and women's basketball. Men's and women's soccer ball. We've got it all. And with our 14 convenient sign-up locations around town, it's no wonder they call me the queen of convenience. Because when I bet with STN, 
I feel like royalty. So what in the heck is waiting for? Download the STM Sports app today and trust the local paper. Hey gang, we're back here at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbooks, the sports betting podcast bookends. He's Jason, I'm Chucky. It's week three of pro football. Jay, there are nine teams that are 0-2. I think a few of those teams need to hit the panic button. Teams that we expected more out of this year, um, the Chargers 0-2, the Vikings 0-2, and the Bengals 0-2. Historically, teams that start 0-2, 11% of those teams have made the postseason. But since 2002, only one, the Texas, uh, the Texans made the playoffs. So if you start 0-3. So this is a critical week for those teams. I think other teams that are 0-2, look at the Bears and the Broncos and, and Cardinals. You kind of expected maybe that would be the case. But those three teams, Vikings, who won the North last year, Chargers, all that hype and expectation to play so well this year. And, of course, the Bengals, with the $275 million man and Joe Burrow, who may not play on Monday night. They're all 0-2. Critical games for all three of those schools. Well, teams. I think for me, when we, when we talk about who is the surprise 0-2 team, I think it's got to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Um, didn't expect them to be in this but situation. they did start 0-2 last year yeah. as well. Um, you know, to, to have Burrow injured, not, and not only – have him injured but not playing well. Jamar Chase obviously drafted the top of all these fantasy drafts. He's not putting up the big points. They're the big surprise for me. Um, the Chargers 0-2, probably a major disappointment. This was a team that brings in Kellen Moore to be their offensive coordinator. You've got all the weapons. Eckler goes down in week one against the Miami team that you're expected to beat, then go lose to the Titans. I think Staley's really on the hot seat. If, oh, we, yeah. if we talked about these teams and who's potentially on a hot seat, I think the Chargers, uh, his job is in jeopardy. They play at Minnesota this week. Um, they then go at home against Las Vegas, and then they have their bye week. So a loss here and, and a loss to Las Vegas, I don't think he gets through the bye week. On the, and then following their bye week in week six and seven, they play Dallas and Kansas City. So these next two weeks are absolutely critical for the Chargers, and I think the 0-2, law, 0-2 start for them, really, really bad. Vikings, obviously the huge upset to Tampa in week one. Uh, lose, losing week two to Philadelphia, not, not crushing there. But for me, the big surprises is is Bengals and Chargers, and I, and I tell you, I'm not surprised at all, obviously, by the Cardinals 0-2 or the Panthers 0-2. No. I mean, those were expected. Cardinals it's the, 0 it's right. the Bears on the, on the side of bad teams that, or teams that look bad that you didn't expect to be 0-2. I think we just expected more out of Chicago, expected more out of Justin Fields, expected more out of this offense, and it's just been a, a major disappointment of what they've played so far, and it doesn't get any easier in week three where they have to tra- travel right. to Kansas City as 13-point favorites. So as you look at the Bears, it, it's just it doesn't where, – where does the fix come in? Where do they right. get better? Um, disappointing 0-2 start for them as you expected them to maybe win one of these two, if not both of these first two games uh, to open the season. Right. They lost Braxton Jones. They're starting – uh, left tackle, so they're going to be without him now for a while. He's on IR. So it is a Bears team that's kind of regressed a little bit. And I think when you look at the Vikings and Chargers, I mean, they play each other. So one of these teams is going to be 0-3 after this week. But the Bengals, to me, still is the big surprise. Uh, you look at Joe Burrow, and he's the only starting quarterback in the NFL that hasn't completed a pass of over 12 yards. You look at what, what Chase is averaging per reception, 2.9 yards. Huge disappointments, not only for them, but for fantasy owners who invested in Burrow and Chase, especially Chase in the top three or four. They're really concerned now, especially if Burrow ends up going on IR and missing any time. Well, we t- if you click back and go to watch bookends probably a month ago, I, I talked about the Cincinnati Bengals team. I-, I-, I really liked the Browns in the division right. outside of now Nick Chubb being hurt. 
um, it really hurts their cause. But the Ravens are 2-0. and The Steelers obviously go steal the Monday night game to put Browns and Steelers at 1-1, and and the Bengals sitting at 0-2. But I wasn't solidified on this Bengal defense. They lost some linebackers. They lost some guys in the secondary. And I thought Joe Burrow was going to have to go and score a ton of points for them to be a playoff team and, and a, and a division-winning team. Though. And so the fact that they're not putting up the points, I don't think that defense is good enough to win games if, if, if Burrow and Chase are not clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I and totally that's what's agree. obviously happening these first two weeks. Let's switch gears a little bit now. You look at the teams that are 2-0. Um, who is really impressive? I mean, there's a number of teams, especially in the NFC, if you're looking at the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles, the Bucks. For me, it's the Cowboys, though, because defensively, they are so good right now. They've outscored their opponents 70-10. to 10. Uh, They beat up both New York teams bad. I know it was against Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones, so maybe you have an excuse there, but they have looked so good and so dominant. It really, to me, it's the quarterback play. If you get good play out of Dak, this team looks really, really good right now. Well, and you don't even have to get good quarterback play when your defense is playing the way they are. You can run the ball a little bit you more. You might go against the Niners or yeah, Eagles. Yeah, you, you can be a little bit conservative and stuff like that. Right. You, you talk about the, the teams that are 2-0, and that are supposed to be 2-0. and um, Dallas, the 49ers. Um, 49ers look impressive. And, and Dallas, they get Arizona this week, New England at home next week. And then they go to San Francisco while the Niners get the Giants and Cardinals. So they're going to be double-digit favorites in both those games before hosting Dallas. But for me, when we talk about the 2-0 teams, who's the biggest surprise for me of the 2-0 teams? It's this Miami Dolphins. To go on the road and beat the Chargers and then go on the road and beat New England, those are two big wins, pick them games. And now you come home. And road wins. Yeah, road wins. Now you come home. The offense has looked incredible. And again, we talked about this. Talked about this several weeks ago. If Tua's on the field, the Miami Dolphins are a dangerous, dangerous football team. And his question question mark, you know, from an injury status, does it made made Miami a, a tough call. But when Tua's on the field with Hill and Waddle, they're dangerous. Now Waddle did suffer a concussion in that game against the Patriots, so he's a question mark going into this game against Denver. And obviously, this is a Denver team that's 0-2. Right. Is gonna, Sean McVay is going to come in there with everything they got. But the surprise for me as we sit here today that we didn't expect to be 2-0, and I'm going to circle the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're on an upward proje- trajectory. Well, I think that offense is so dynamic. And you talked about Waddle and Hill and Mostert in the backfield. If these guys are all healthy and, and, and two is there, they're going to be a dangerous team. And the fact that they're able to win, as you mentioned, two road games really sets them up great for the long term. <clears throat> Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns now, say in the AFC. Uh, they lose Nick Chubb on Monday night, really bad season-ending injury. Uh, they did go out and sign Kareem Hunt, which really helps because he's familiar with that system. Um, now, do they take a step back without Chubb or not? I know it's a, a big question, but they've got your own Ford, and you've got um, Hunt now. To me, it, it's Watson. He hasn't looked the same. I mean, he really struggled last year, those last six games. He seems like that the running game was a big part of his offense as well, and he can't get away from anybody right now. They, they went in, they got Elijah Moore, you've got Amari Cooper there, Peoples-Jones and Joku. But to me, it's Watson, that escapability, that running around creating plays just isn't there. Their offense looks bad, and they've got another really good defense, but I think they really struggle on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I, I came into this year a big fan of Cleveland Browns. I, I think this team um, has underperformed um, these two weeks, despite the fact that they embarrassed Cincinnati in their in their home opener and then obviously lost to Pittsburgh right. on Monday night. Um, and it really wasn't the defense's fault. Uh, two defensive touchdowns for the Steelers off the interception um, to open the game, and then and the, the, and then the Watt fumble recovery right. later. So this Cleveland Brown defense is absolutely fantastic. I think they match up well against the Titans this week. One of the things that Cleveland Browns do best is stop the run. 
So they're going to be able to bank gang up, stop Henry. But you do, you did say it. They do have a problem on the offensive side of the they football. They definitely do. Losing Nick Chubb, whether it's Kareem Hunt coming in, and who knows how long it's going to take Kareem Hunt um, to get up to speed. Obviously, he knows this Browns offense, but just physically, where is he at? How quickly can they put him in a game to perform? And Ford wasn't bad in, in the back end of that Steelers game. He knows the offense. He's able to run the football. But you said it. Deshaun Watson's not hitting the receivers um, when they're open. He's throwing the ball late. He's got a dynamic set of receivers. I mean, Cooper, Peoples-Jones, uh, Elijah Moore, um, Najoku. I mean, these are these are good receivers, a good, good tight ends. Watson's got to play better if they're going to go anywhere here. Uh, but I do think this is a bad spot for the Titans uh, coming in. Um, into Cleveland, which we saw when they're at home, that defense was awesome. We were able to hold down Cincinnati. I expect Cleveland to put up a big performance this week. And again, when because when does Watson shake loose? When does Watson get it right? Or do they do they end up turning to our guy Dorian Thompson they Robinson, you know, who had a great preseason? You know, right? I, I don't think they'll go there. Obviously, they've got so much invested in Watson. Um, but it's it, it looks like it's again this Browns offense is sputtering to get things going. You know, and I'm going to jump now with you saying that to a team in the NFC that's sputtering offensively, and that's the Bears. I know you touched on them a little bit, but they're 0-2. I don't know if sputtering is the right word. <laughs> that you, they, they, the, the engine... It stalled. The car doesn't even have it's an engine. It stalled. All right. But, you know, you talked about um, would DTR kind of be somebody that the Browns would look to, and you look at the Bears and everything they have invested in fields, would Tyson Badgett be someone that they go to? But I think in both those young quarterbacks' cases that they played in the preseason against third- and fourth-tier defenses many times, Going up against number one defense is way different in that league. So I think you're not going to see a quarterback change, at least not for a while, for either one of those two teams. But I think, is it time for the Bears to hit the panic button a little bit? And I think so. I think there was so much hype in the offseason. We talked about what it meant to go out and get um, A.J. Brown for, uh, for uh, Hurts, what it meant to get Diggs for um, uh, Josh Allen. But now you went out and got D.J. Moore, and he their offense hasn't been better. They just really have struggled, or as you said, you know, they completely stalled or stopped at this point. And he's not running, though. Fields only has four design running plays. That was such a big part of his game last year. It's They're, all, they're starting to point fingers. There's some locker room chatter. There's some off-field issues right now. So where do the Bears go? And they're you know almost two touchdown underdogs to the Chiefs this week. Yeah, not an easy week going to Kansas City. And Kansas City really locked up Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville right. Jaguars last week. Uh, played a great game. Couldn't really cover Christian Kirk, uh, but really handled Ridley. Um, a lot of penalties in that game, but the Chiefs went in there and got the win after the opening loss um, to the Lions. Um, but the Bears, to, to put it simply, they're a mess right now. And I don't know that all of that blame belongs on Justin Fields' shoulders. Um, their, their offensive schemes, when you go watch tape or you get on the world of, of Twitter and watch the breakdown of their plays and you see receivers running the same routes and, and uh, guys that don't know what they're, the, whether it's but a run it, or a screen pass. But it's not the trigger to open Yeah, guys. I mean, there's, there's, there's problems there, but he, he said it today. He's playing robotic. He's got too many voices in his head. He's being overcoached. When we saw Justin Fields have success last year and, and give us that glimpse of what the Bears can be, it was him scrambling and right. his, his running. And you called it. For some reason, that's been turned off. And I expect this week, and I'll say it, I'll say it right now, Justin Fields has over 100 rushing yards this week against the Chiefs because he's going to decide, drop back, and the receivers are open. They're not open. He's I'm taken running, off. Right. And, and I think that's what's going to happen this week. And when he does that, the Bears can be a dangerous offense because when he starts running, that's when things can open up. And that's when a guy like Mooney and DJ Moore can kind of use their creativity right. to get open. But in this offense that they're running right now, they don't have those guys that can create space and get open. And then Justin Fields is 
hesitant to pull the trigger to right. throw the football, let alone he doesn't have a very good offensive no, line blocking for him, so he's getting all the pressure in the world. So I think it's too early to make a judgment call on Justin Fields, and I, I don't know if it's early enough to make a judgment call that this Bears coaching staff isn't the right staff with these right players, and I think Poles really needs to look at what are we trying to accomplish and what is the offense we're trying to run. And this has not been a one-year thing or a two-year thing for the Bears. This goes all the way back to Nagy and before that. There's there's an offensive creativity problem in Chicago, and it's been there for a dozen years. I think probably maybe two dozen years, but offensively really struggled a lot. Um, let's look at, look at a team that we touched on a little bit earlier, too, and that's the Bengals. This is a back-to-back seasons now. They start 0-2. But I think you know last year they really turned it around after that spot. This year the concern is it's Joe Burrow. He's got that calf injury. Um, his status is still up in the air for Monday night. They've got four not bad games coming up. They've got the Rams, the Cards, the Titans, and the Seahawks. You can maybe win one or two of those games, maybe, without Joe Burrow. Um, then you have a bye. But after that, you have the 49ers and the Bills. So it's really tough if they lose all four of those games, or even the next two. We talked about only one team since 2002 has started 0-3 and made the postseason. And historically, only 11% of the teams that start 0-2 make the postseason. So it just seems different this year. I think if Burrow can play Monday night, I think the Bengals have to play him in this game because they can't afford to fall 0-3. Yeah, I'm not hitting the panic button on Cincinnati at all. I think when you've got a talented offense like the one that they do, they can go on a run of games. I'm worried, and I said it before, I'm worried the Bengals on the defensive side of the football in their secondary, I don't think they're particularly good, but I think it's way too early to hit the panic button on a team that we had as a top five AFC hopeful. Uh, two losses here, I think Burrow's going to Now again, if Burrow's injured, and there's you right, know, that yeah. problem there, then it's, it's not the panic button. This is got to get this guy right. What do they do in the, in the meantime to find somebody? But I think it's way too early to hit the panic button. Uh, and this is a, a really short line because of the way they've played and because of the, Ram, the way the Rams have played. I mean, this game was a, a six to close to seven-point right. uh, game, and now it's a pick them and it's Actually, gone it was over to, seven. Yeah, seven gone, and gone, a half, to the, right. gone to the Bengals, you know, a two-to-two-and-a-half-point two two favorite. Um, so you are getting some value on the Bengals if Burrow is a, in a, in a get-right situation. Right. Um, so another question that was proposed is, are the Niners the best all-around team? And I think you can make a case that I'm not sure they're the best all-around team in the NFC, let alone in football, is I think you have to put the Cowboys in that mix as well. Because when you look at both teams, Stout defensively, okay, Christian McCaffrey, Tony Pollard, both teams have solid skill position players across the board. It really comes down to me, it's Dak and Brock Purdy, is that which one of these guys is going to be the guy that can take their team to the next level. We know that Dak had all the interceptions last year, Purdy had the injury, um, but I think they're really, really close. I still think right now the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. I'm going to take the other side, and I'm going to stay with, yes, the San Francisco 49ers are the most complete team. Um, they will play in three weeks, I, so we'll get an indication. I, I'm not even going to say in the NFC. I'm going to say in all of football the 49ers are the most complete team. Their over-under season wins right now is currently 12.5. They're the highest team on the board. Um, Dallas is 11.5 over minus $1.50. When we talk about the San Francisco 49ers and you talk about playmakers, you talk about Dak, you talk about C.D. Lamb, you talk about Pollard. When we talk about the Niners, Christian McCaffrey, game changer, can absolutely dominate a football game. Debo Samuel. When Debo Samuel is healthy, whether it's receiving or rushing, can dominate a football game. And now you can add a Brandon Ayuk because when Brandon Ayuk is healthy, he's another guy that can go dominate a football game. Kittle can can be a throw in there and have good games. 
So I'm staying with the Niners. I think Brock Purdy does exactly what the Niners want him to do, facilitate the ball, and there's no question marks like there is with Dak. Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over. He gets the ball to the right guys. I'll stick with the Niners as the most dominant team right now. The thing that sways me a little bit is defensively, it's the DBs for Dallas. I think they're lockdown DBs, especially with Diggs on one side and Gilmore. I think they're so good that it opens up Parsons to put more pressure on the quarterback. I know the Niners have boasted too, but I think the back end for the Cowboys is superior, and that's what sways it for me. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that. You know, I think I said we should make Dallas the favorite. Um, to win the Super Bowl at this point in time, just of the way they've played, the two dominating performances. Micah Parsons has been absolutely unbelievable, and when you're able to get that type of pressure on the quarterback, we saw the way these quarterbacks are just throwing the ball up for turnovers. But beating the two New York teams, for me, you know, and we're not going to really get to see much out of right. Dallas this week with having to play Arizona. But they've played a, a much easier schedule than what I think the Niners in going to Pittsburgh and then seeing this improved Ram team. I think the Niners have played two better teams than what what, what right. Dallas has played. Doesn't mean to say that Dallas can't continue to go on a run. Sure. And then this is a collision course, you know, with potentially the Eagles thrown in there. And it did. Talking about these two teams, we had the AFC favored right. in the yeah. Super Bowl um, early line here in Las Vegas. We had the AFC minus two against the NFC, and because of the performance of these two teams, we've made that game a pick. So a two-point move this week, kind of downgrading Buffalo, Kansas City. You but know, it's really because of three teams, right? You know, the Eagles yeah, it, and that well, mix it's, it's the Niners and Cowboys that have made right. the NFC flip to making the right. Super Bowl a pick game. Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. You know, we've kind of touched on some of the, the, the hot-button topics um, that, were, that we wanted to for the NFL this week. Um, now we're going to jump into some of the games and kind of critique those a little bit and see, you know, kind of how the line has shifted and what the, the betting interest is. So you've got Buffalo before, now. Before we get to the games, though, we put up an interesting prop last week. Oh, yeah, for it was the, great. For the very first time, um, the full Sunday game. So not don't include Thursday, don't include the two Monday night games, but all the Sunday games, the home teams versus the away teams, and obviously a total for that, which ends up being an NFL salami for the Sunday games. Got great action on it. Um, again, you're getting... All the points scored by the road teams if you bet the road teams. All the points scored by the home teams if you get the home teams. So if you like something here, and I think that we're, it's, a, it's a big number this week. Home teams were a 13.5-point favorite last week, and I think it's closer to a 34-point favorite this week. But, again, something fun to look at, give you something interesting to cheer for as you look at that full Sunday right. slate of games. And you don't have to worry about a pitching change and it getting canceled. <laughs> so, you know, you have action. So it's kind of a, a fun prop. It really the, and is. And the, the salami is betting – all the points over right. or under the total for all the Sunday games. So right. if you take the over, you're adding up all the points scored on Sunday and get over or under that number. All right, let's look at some of the key games this week or games we want to focus on. So the Bills are 1-1. One and one. They're on the road. They play one of the surprising 2-0 and o teams, and that's the Commanders. We talked about Sam Howell and that offense and all the young, skilled position players they have. Brian Robinson had a huge game last week, two touchdowns, converted the two-point conversion. He's in the passing game now. He had four receptions, I think 89 yards rushing. They play a Bills team that I'm still not sure um, you know, where this Bills team is. They struggled, and they let that one get away from week one against the Jets. They were able to beat the Raider team, but the Raiders had to travel you know, back-to-back weeks. Uh, they opened seven-point favorites. The numbers come down a little bit to six and a half. My guess is we'll still be Commander fans when that game kicks on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, the Bills kind of got back to playing Buffalo football in their big win over the Raiders. Um, James Cook, um, who's taken over kind of single-handedly in the backfields, sharing some time with Latavius Murray uh, and Harris, uh, but he was able to have the, have the big game. 
Um, I'm not sure who the commanders are at this point. Um, struggled in week one right. against uh, the Cardinals, able to squeak that game out, and then got down really big to the Broncos, came all the way back, and then gave up the Hail Mary late. Um, but not real confident in the Hail commanders. Hail Mary late to still win, though. To still win. But right. um, the, the, the commanders beating Arizona, beating Denver, two teams that you know I'm kind of down on at this point. Uh, and that's why you still see Buffalo as a seven-point favorite, or inching up to that seven-point favorite. Um, the, 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 the cute guys will be on the commanders here to kind of pull the big upset as obviously Buffalo went on the road in week one and, right. and lost to the, to the Jets. But I still think Buffalo is the better team here, and that's why they're the touchdown favorite. All right, how about Falcons-Lions? I think you look at the Falcons, and they're 2-0. Maybe a little bit of a surprise 2-0, but Pitts hasn't really lit it up yet. Uh, they, they've got Bijan Robinson splitting running back duties with, with Al Geyer. Um, you look at Drake London, he did score a touchdown. But they're not really lighting it off offensively. They did come back and win that game against the Packers. Uh, what do you think about that game? Yeah, I think that they're going to see finally an offense that can throw the football into them. Obviously playing Carolina um, and the Packers, um, two teams that aren't really prolific in the passing game. Um, Atlanta is going to have to come up in the secondary, find a way to be able to control them on St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, that Jared Koff passing game. Montgomery's probably going to be out of this game right. for the Lions from a running back standpoint, so we're going to see more of Gibbs, and I think Gibbs is more dynamic in his passing game than the pure rushing game. So, right. again, they're going to have to cover Gibbs out of that backfield. And I think what Atlanta wants to do is what Atlanta wants to do against everybody, run with Bijan, sprinkle him in some Algier, not put Ritter in a bad situation where he's got to go win the game passing. So Atlanta's going to have to stay in this game. If Detroit's able to get up in this game early and then you're able to unleash Hutchinson, right. Hutchinson rushing Ritter, this game could get out of hand and Detroit could blow them out. Yeah, so, again, Atlanta's 2-0, but we'll, we'll see how good they are against this offense and Detroit. Let's switch gears now to our own backyard. Sunday night football, Allegiant Stadium, Raiders home opener against the Steelers. Raiders defense right now is ranked 32nd in the league. They are the worst defense in the league right now, but can Pittsburgh exploit that or not? No Deontay Johnson. We know that offense has been banged up a little bit. Uh, Kenny Pickett hasn't played nearly as well during the regular season as he did during the preseason. This game was actually a, a pick 'em. Maybe the Raiders or the Steelers won one and a half. It's really swung now where the Raiders are almost a field goal favorite. We've seen both the public and some sophisticated play on the Raiders so far in their home opener. I'm interested to see how, what the stadium looks like for this game. And is it It's going to be black more, and silver and black and gold. But is it 50-50? Is it 70-30 Raiders fans? I think the Steelers fans I think be are going are to travel really well. Right. And this is going to be a, a semi-home game for the Steelers. Um, they didn't look particularly good on Monday night, but I was impressed with um, – the, the defense and right. how Watt was able to get to the quarterback, get to Watson, constantly pressuring. And I think that's where the Raiders have a problem. In their week one win over Denver, Denver had zero pass rush. Garoppolo was able to stand back there, able to point out his targets, able to find his targets. In week two, it was the exact opposite. Buffalo was able to get to him, able to put pressure on him, and that forced the Raiders in bad situations. And we saw on Monday night, the Steelers will rush the quarterback. They will get to Garoppolo. I think there's an advantage there for the Steelers' defense. Um, but the Steelers' offense hasn't looked good. Have not. They looked really good in the preseason. Um, you lose Deontay Johnson, their their best receiver. That's a big loss. Uh, Pickett hasn't really been able to get things going. Najee Harris has still not looked good. We saw them sprinkle in a little bit more of Jalen Warren right. um, in the backfield this week. But um, the Steelers' offense a little bit more questionable, and I think that's why you're seeing the Raiders tick up, let alone this being the hope opener, opener for the Raiders that have they have played well. Um, but I'm from the standpoint of we saw the Steelers turn the Browns over two times this week 
um, I'm worried that the, the Steelers are going to, again, force even more turnovers on the Raiders. I think it's the third straight year now that the Raiders' home opener has been a primetime game. Uh, we know a few years ago it was an epic week one uh, game. I think it was against the Ravens. That was a huge scoring game and just exciting to watch. We'll see how they do. And I think that line has moved again. The Steelers coming off the short week, playing Monday night. Normally when you have that short week, you, you, it's an advantage to the, to the home team or the team not on the short week. Now we're going to flip over to, to Monday night. I know you and I love it. We've got a Monday night doubleheader again. Uh, first game, the 2-0 Bucks against the 2-0 Eagles. Bucks are probably one of those teams that are really a surprise that they're 2-0. Um, you think about they beat the Bears, they beat the Vikings. I, I thought they've looked okay. It seems like that uh, Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans look really good. They ran the ball a little bit better. Um, they come into Philly in this game. But we've seen some play on Philly or on, on Tampa as this number's actually come down a little bit. Well, Tampa's won with the ability to, to, to force the other team into turnovers. Uh, in week one, they, they forced Minnesota into a bunch of turnovers, able to hold on to that game. Week two, they forced the Bears into turnovers, scored defensive touchdowns, able to win that game. The Bears were you know in that for a little period of time. Um, this is a team that they're playing in Philadelphia. Historically, the last, you know, under Hurts, they don't turn the ball over because they run, 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 run the ball down your throat. Tampa has been able to stop the run this year. We saw what Philadelphia did last week at home against, or, uh, against Minnesota on the Thursday night game where we saw Swift have the absolutely monster game, huge carries, um, huge rushing numbers. Um, if Philadelphia is able to do that again, where they're able to run the football, control the clock, Tampa could be in some trouble. Um, Tampa's got to force them into passing of all the strange things that we say. Right. Don't want to force them into passing with A.J. Brown and, and Devonta Smith because they have the weapons there. But I don't think Tampa wants to let the Eagles control the clock. And Tampa, you know, we talked about them before the season and that it was the, you know, losing Tom Brady and that was going to be the end of them. But this is still a very functional team um, with a good Especially defense. defensively, good, right. Good receivers. And if Baker Mayfield can just go be – uh, solid doesn't have to be a great Baker Mayfield, but solid not turn the ball over. They're going to stay in game. So I think that that's why you're seeing Tampa Bay plus those six points um, with the fact that Minnesota was able to kind of score right. or move the ball at will on the Eagles. Remember, Justin Jefferson bumbled at the end zone. Otherwise, right. Minnesota, you can argue, was the better team on the field that night. So well, getting those points from Tampa, through, I think that's why you're seeing that number. two weeks, the Niners and Cowboys have looked better than the Eagles. So far, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that going to New England, um, and, and again, the offense didn't look good against New England. They were able to win that game. Again, being able, the Eagles were able to get defensive turnovers. And then to be isolated on that Thursday night against the Vikings, um, who had just lost to Tampa, and, and, and let Minnesota just constantly come back on you, constantly come back on you. And like I said, in the second half, the Vikings really looked like, like the better team with Cousins throwing for four touchdowns. So there's something in that Eagles secondary that maybe – Minnesota was able to exploit. Now, can Tampa go find the same way to exploit that same thing to be able to keep them in this game? And like I said, I think that's why you're seeing so much money on Tampa or early money coming on Tampa is they like that six points because right. the Eagles haven't been blowing people right. out. So now the second game, the doubleheader. And this is the game that we talked about earlier with the dramatic line move. I mean, it's Rams and Bengals. This game was over a touchdown. Then it comes out that Burrow might not play. Um, he said he felt better today. So we won't know, but he has the extra day because the game's on Monday. Game was seven and a half. It went all the way down to one and a half. Because of that news, it started to creep up a little bit. Matt Stafford has looked great so far in two weeks, but he only has one touchdown pass. But I think being a receiver for the Rams is a four-letter word. It's either <laughs> cup, tutu, or hookah. So we'll see which one of these guys 
Puka and Tutu can really kind of emerge in this game um, to, to help Stafford a little bit. But if he doesn't play, if we get word that Burrow doesn't play, do you think this game goes any lower than two and a half? Yeah, we didn't talk about the Rams and our surprise teams because they're sitting at one and one. But this would be my surprise one and one team, um, obviously going up to Seattle and winning the, the, their first game at Seattle and then playing a good competitive game against the Niners for a period of time. They had the one uh, drop. Um, right. by, by Kyron Williams that ended up turning into an interception that goes the other way. Otherwise, the Rams are in this game, and you talked about it. Puka Nakua has been absolutely fantastic setting the rookie records for receptions. I was going to tell you we need to put up a Puka Nakua total receptions um, in this game prop, so look for a lot of props come up. But it was it's from guys we didn't right. expect. Kyron Williams wasn't supposed to be the starting running back, supposed to be Cam Akers, and now they're out there potentially shopping Cam right. Akers, looking for a place to trade him to. And like I said, I, this Cincinnati defense, I think is beatable. It can be, and, and Stafford doesn't make mistakes. They're in the they're in the, in the top five or the, or the bottom five run defense so far this year. So I mean, the, the Rams are going to play good, solid football. You can see that they've got an offense. You can see what they want and have things that they want to attack in an opposing TV, team's defense. But the back is against the wall for Joe Burrow, and if he's right. going to play in this game. For them to be sitting 0-2, to go 0-3, all the pressure in the world is going to be on them. And Jamar Chase on a Monday night, this is where the stars come to shine. And if there's any time where you're going to see Burrow and Chase hook up or Burrow to Higgins, I think Monday night is going to be the time where these guys are going to go. And then we're going to have to see the Rams come back and play a little bit of Chase. Well, if Burrow does play, we know that that right calf is banged up. That's you know your push-off leg. And there's a certain defensive lineman on the other side who's got to be licking his chops. And that's Aaron Donald, knowing that you have a, a Joe Burrow that you don't really talk about Burrow as a running quarterback, but he is a much better running back than you give him credit for. He's not in the same maybe you know discussion as Lamar Jackson or, or Justin Fields, but he does run the ball. And I think without that in his arsenal, it's really hurt that team because he can't scramble a little bit knowing that Jason Higgins can get behind the secondary. I think these, these, this Monday night is going to be great. I mean, Last Monday night with the doubleheader. Love them. You know, we, we like it. The Panthers and Saints. Every week we want Panthers em. and Saints was, was a, you know, somewhat of a slow, boring game. And then the, and the Browns and, and Steelers capped us off. But this one with the Eagles uh, and Bucks, I, I think this is going to be this is gonna be a, a good Monday night doubleheader. Yeah, we love it when you guys come out. We had a lot of people come out Monday night for the doubleheader. It was so much fun. I enjoyed everything we have to offer. Before we go, I just want to touch on last man standing. So we started the pro last man standing, 150 guaranteed, 6,324 contestants. There's only 1,757 left after two weeks. College, 32,23. There's only 988 left after two weeks. So kind of dramatic changes in just two weeks. Yeah, there was some knockout punches. There was. Uh, obviously thrown in the last man standing. And um, congratulations to those that are still alive. Another tough week of picks. Ahead of you. Um, if you don't have the app, make sure you get the app. We still have the up to 10% bonus going on, uh, up to $500, so you can take advantage of that. Um, preseason hockey is about to be on the board as we turn to go this Knights, weekend. Go. Obviously, we've got uh, incredible baseball. Wait, did I really say that? <laughs> <laughs> incredible baseball playoff races. Um, I'm, I'm glad that football season is here to hopefully take a little bit of your betting wallet and shift <laughs> it to football as baseball has been absolutely bad. Um, those of you that were able to play baseball on Tuesday night this week we're able to put a, a big hurting on the sports books as uh, favorites went 13 and 2 on Tuesday night with 10 of those uh, 13 winners covering the run line so there was a, a lot of baseball tickets cashed 
Um, so, you know, baseball fans can Especially a, a big parlay that was cashed. An, an $800 <laughs> parlay that won $85,000 um, here on, on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a big one. Congrats. Yeah. Um, and, again, those tickets are out there and big money to be made. So check the app for all the props, all the bets. Uh, we continue to try, try and expand that menu and give you guys a lot of interesting ta- stuff to look at, uh, to, to have some fun with, uh, be able to make those prop bets on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're super excited, guys. Again, this week, week coming up in college football is marquee. I mean, there are seven great matchups, and of course, that leads into Sunday for pro football. So, we look forward to seeing you not only here at Red Rock, but of all of our racing sports books uh, throughout the enterprise. Good luck this weekend, and Jason and I will see you guys next week at Red Rock on the Sports Betting Podcast Bookends.